following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. to this wild and wacky Wednesday edition of Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I am Chris Yao. He is Mo Patton. What's up? Hope you guys are having a fantastic hump day. What day is it? Hump day. That's hey. right. It's hump day. Love, 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 love that. Man, what a fantastic day it has been for a lot of folks, including several in the mid-state uh, as it comes to girls' soccer state tournament action. We're going to get you our results here in just a few moments. We're, we'll also get to that schedule here as well. So tons to get to on this great show. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you. We've got a ton to talk about. When I tell you a ton, I mean a ton to talk about. Uh, typically, Wednesday is like content purgatory. <laughs> but positives here is that uh, we're going to talk to Wes Rucker. He's got some opinions, and we'll get to him. I'm, I'm, I'm very, mu very much looking forward to talking to Wes Rucker about uh, some things that we will also talk about on our own. Heather Williams, it's championship week, championship weekend for NASCAR, so – does Ross championship change? weekend as in this is the final this is race? It. This is it. This, okay. is, this is the end all be all in okay. Phoenix. All right. They'll be well, out there in Ross Chastain. Well, when is when is Martinsville? Uh Martinsville happened a while back. Right? Okay. Is this Martinsville? Oh Lord. I don't even know. Is Saturday, October 29th, two o'clock next week. Martinsville. Is championship weekend. Okay. You're right. How do I know more about NASCAR Dude, than you do? Uh, listen, I'm I'm so flustered from last weekend and the whole thing that went down with so I guess we're it's not championship race weekend. Okay, we should probably uh not say that in our <laughs> we should probably not. It's okay. <laughs> They're not in Phoenix this weekend, folks. No, they but are. But um, Ross Chastain is still in the running for mm -hmm. the championship. He is currently second. William Byron is in the running. So this is this is going to be a big weekend. Um, and I, I, I'm looking forward to talking to Heather because we have a ton of NASCAR news going around right now, uh, including changes coming to the next-gen car next year. Um We'll talk about Ross Chastain. We'll talk about William Byron. Talk about Kyle Kyle Larson with a big win over the weekend. So we'll get to all of that. Karma, I guess, huh? There you go. Uh, and so much more. We Can also, we talk about how hot it is in here? It is. It, it's hotter than a $2 pistol. Goodness. Uh, look. From one day to the next, I don't know how to dress coming to work. <laughs> I truly don't. And, it's, don't and it's, got no, it's got nothing to do with the weather. No. And everything to do with what you're going to encounter once you get in here. It's almost always hot in here, whether the, whether the air is on or not. And for whatever reason, mm. it's, I'm, yeah, I, mm. I'm. 
I got on long sleeves under this. Thinking about opening the door over here. I wore shorts and short sleeves because I was guessing. I guess I guessed right today. I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <sighs> we'll also talk about Texas A&M and now Auburn. I didn't realize <laughs> that Auburn was a thing. Uh, Auburn's always, always a thing. That's right. Auburn is Auburning at all times. Um, and I told you yesterday I want to talk about the the six days that went into getting Shield Watkins Shields Watkins Field. Right, the S in Shields makes things difficult. By the way, Shields Watkins Field ready for that UT Martin game. It was an insane story. It really so, is. That's a great story. A great angle. Um, something that I just think thinking of that story was really a stroke of genius, but was it Dave Wilson with ESPN that wrote that? I'm not sure who wrote it, but it well done to, to those folks. And yeah, I mean, we've done some sport field stories. You've done one particularly, uh, Columbia Academy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, uh, and, and, we we've seen it, you know, the the baseball field and but but we have a we we have the dirt guy <laughs> right here in our backyard. We so it kind of makes sense. It's on it's on our mind. Mm-hmm. It's not always on everybody's mind. So good for them. But yeah, we'll get into all of that and much, much more. But before we do anything else, let's hop into Tuesday and Wednesday results. Uh as well as today and one scheduled game for tomorrow. So right now we go to the rundown. This is the rundown. Girls state girls soccer state tournament action today in Chattanooga. Um, Page defeat at Livingston Academy one to nothing in class two A action. Siegel down Gallatin two to one in class three A action. And in the class single A state quarterfinals, the Kalioka Lady Warriors making their state tournament debut and they will be in action tomorrow after a three two overtime win against Crosstown out of Memphis. In NBA action last night, it was the Wizards downing the Pistons 120-99. The Pelicans with a 113-111 win over Dallas. The Thunder defeated the Clippers 108-94. The Suns with a 134-105 win over the Warriors. And in NHL action, it was Vegas downing San Jose 4-2. Today's schedule, currently in the second half, Merrill Hyde leading Alcoa 1-0 in the 75th minute. Probably now. 76. Is it 70? So I've got 7448 mm-hmm. up here. So <laughs> um, Station Camp takes on Franklin County at 530, and Murfreesboro Central will take on Seymour at 530 as well. Tomorrow, before we go on the air, Battleground Academy will take on Boyd Buchanan at 1230 on Thursday. Tonight, on the boob tube, NBA action. Nets at Bucks. It's a 630 tip on ESPN, doubleheader. Number two game in that set is the Lakers at the Nuggets. That's a 9 p.m. tip on ESPN. TNT doubleheader NHL action. This is interesting. 
NBA doubleheader on ESPN and NHL on TNT. You go figure. Uh, the Rangers at the Islanders. Um, that's a 6.30 puck drop on TNT. And at 9 o'clock, the Ducks host the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that is your rundown. <laughs> Top story today, Mo. Sad news out of Nashville. Yeah. Um, longtime Nashville media personality, I guess, would be the best way to describe him as you um, assess – the length of his career, Joe Biddle passed away this morning at the age of 78, um, had been dealing with Alzheimer's for quite some time. And, um, yeah, he, he came to town as a writer slash columnist with the Nashville banner after having previously been, um, in his hometown of Johnson city and then spending some time in Florida as well. And just became a, a, um, Hallmark, mainstay, um, mainstay, um, household name, um, throughout or a bumper his, sticker name, or yeah, I beat <laughs> Biddle was a very popular um, college football pick'em contest back when you had to mail your picks in, you know, and somebody actually had to open the envelopes and go through them and all that. It wasn't but, that long ago, two, three, three years ago, that I was opening mail. <laughs> <laughs> counting picks too so i, I get it i've been yeah. there <laughs> but yeah i mean um bid covered virtually everything for the banner until they closed and then worked at the tennessean for quite some time i think he later did some work with um channel two and with the williamson herald as well and so um you share yeah. a hall of fame we do we do he's in a few more than i am but, <laughs> but we we do share one um, just, um, one of the best known journalists, sports journalists in this area over the past 30, 40 years, probably. So, um, an ETSU grad mm -hmm. and well, Johnson so, city native. Right. So, and so just interesting how, how many connections we have to Joe Biddle. We'll, we'll have Heather Williams coming up who covers ETSU. He spent, a lot of years with George Plaster on the George Plaster show or actually on sports night. Also covered some NASCAR covered so, some NASCAR. Yeah. I mean, the connections abound with yeah. Joe Biddle. And, and I hate that. I, I, I don't, I mean, I didn't know him. I, mm -hmm. I was, when I read his bio, I thought that uh, I found a lot of really interesting uh, tidbits in there and thought that was really cool, but uh, hate that I didn't get to experience uh, things like that, but uh, an absolute icon in, in Nashville media, absolutely sports media, particularly, mm -hmm. and uh, our condolences to his family. And uh, man, the, those type people who really are household names in sports media—they just there there aren't many of them left. Because uh, if they are, they've moved on to Nash national stuff. You know, you've got guys like like Feinbaum who, you know, is is a household name, but not just in Birmingham like he used to be. Or, right. you know, those type people who just kind of stayed true to their local areas just don't really exist anymore. And it's and social media has a lot to do with that, the, the fact that we hmm. all have the Internet right at our fingertips. But 
when you see those those type guys going away, it it kind of hits you a little bit. Yeah, and, and and I think that that Joe's passing has and will definitely hit the Nashville and Middle Tennessee area particularly hard. I've had a few people reach out to me here today just Joe, Joe died. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean it's it's a pretty far reaching impact that he had. So we are going to take a break here. And when we come back, Heather Williams will talk NASCAR with us right here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ed Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes. Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in Tennessee. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back into Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is time for our weekly NASCAR roundup and look ahead as we welcome in from WC uh, CYB TV. Heather, what's up? Hey guys, how are you? Um, Different background today. Apologize for the, the the not great cell service and echoey. I'm at the Southern Conference Basketball Media Days in Asheville. So, yes. No no apologies necessary. It looks like you're in a gym. Is that a gym? Where are you? 
I'm actually in the hallway. I tried to go into the gym so you'd have a nice background, but the self service was terrible. So I'm oh. just I'm just in. Well, we 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 will tell you that cell service is paramount. So yes, thank. Well, see, I've already lost you. Take a step. All right, do you have me now? For making. I think they may think it's on our end. Uh, they're they're about to come through. I think. Okay. No. In more ways than one. Hey guys. Hey, y'all got us here. Mo hey. <laughs> hey, we got you. Yeah, I think it's more on our end at the moment anyway. So um I think Chris is still there we go. Fiddling with stuff. Are you there? Just a moment. I don't. There we go. Can you hear us now? We have one bar of service. Do you have any service? I have a. Hello. Three, I can spare you. <laughs> three. Oh, she can hear us. She okay. can hear us fine. Okay. All right. So. There we go. Oh, looks like we're good to go. Yeah. I just needed to open the door, which probably kills two birds, Mo, because it's hot in here. <laughs> yeah, so that works out. Yeah. So, Heather, how are you? Uh, doing well, doing well. Um, <laughs> unusual year for ETSU basketball. There, the men and the women are both picked in the bottom half of the conference, which for both of them to be picked that far down is unusual, but um, a lot of unknowns with the team. So, you know, we'll see what, ha what happens with them. Well, I guess when both are breaking in first-year coaches, I guess it kind of stands to reason, right? Well, uh, the Ben's coach is actually his second year. Uh, oh, Dez, my bad. You know, from, from tennis. But, but he only has two players that played last year that are returning. So um, brand-new uh, team for them for sure. So some unknowns there. And then, yeah, the women's coach has been on the job since August. So <laughs> um, yeah, lots of unknowns with, the, with both programs for sure. Yeah. Um, Heather, now that Chris and I have the NASCAR schedule correct. Sorry, I, I was trying to skip ahead to next week. Coming out of Miami with a, I guess some would say, a most deserving winner as Kyle Larson got the win after the dust-up that he and Bubba had out in Vegas. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like the concept of ball don't lie, right? I mean, you know, karma has a way of uh, of working its way out in the end, and, and things end up working out. Um, he had one of the dominant cars of the weekend, for sure. So, I mean, it's not really a surprise. He is the defending champ. That team is still a really good team. So you would expect them to uh, to still come up and perform. And they are still racing for an owner's championship with the win. They punched their ticket into the championship four from the owner's championship standpoint. So that team still has a lot to race for. And uh, they showed why they're defending champs, why they're still a good team. Yeah, you know, and again, the owners' championship is still out there for Hendricks and, and and that sort of thing. That that's great for them. Obviously, they have William Byron and Chase Elliott in the final four at this point. Um, one more race to to try to win your way in, and then it goes to points. And currently, 
Ross Chastain sitting on top of the points, but you don't want to leave anything to chance if you're Ross Chastain. You'd rather just get a win, wouldn't you? Yeah, I actually had a chance to talk to Ross earlier today, and uh, you know he, he he agrees with you. They want to go down there and get the most points that they can. They want to get points in both stages, and they want to win the race because, yeah, you don't want to leave anything to chance. Kyle Larson's a perfect example of that. Going into the road, it looked like he was in pretty comfortable position to advance to the next round. He makes a mistake. A guy that wasn't in the top eight wins. And all of a sudden, he's two points out of the drivers' championship. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Ross wants to go down. They want to. They want to get the win, and uh, then they don't have to worry about anything else. That's. I mean, that's that's the way to do it. You don't want to. You don't want to be out here. You know, leaving anything to chance if if you can help it. And and so Trackhouse and and that team is certainly going to be looking hard for a win in Martinsville. Martinsville is a, is a unique track. It is, uh, you know, obviously much different than the mile and a half that they've been running on here recently. So what, what, what makes, what makes this weekend, uh, different from, from what they've been doing? It's hard. I mean, it's a hard racetrack. It's a, it's a tough racetrack and it is completely different. I mean, you go from running, you know, 170 and, 130 in the turns to running 120 and 70 in the turns. I mean, they're going to be going so slow around that track and passing is going to be almost impossible unless you want to move someone, which you will see the bump and run probably more than once this weekend. Um, and track isn't going to mean anything, everything. I mean, for the first time in weeks, you know, since Bristol, probably you are going to have to have a good qualifying if you want to be a real player in this race. I mean, barring some kind of strange, you know, extra long green flag run where there's a caution with people on different pitch strategies and it splits up the field. I mean, where you start in this race is going to mean everything to drivers. It's going to be, you know, because the guys that finish in the back that qualify in the back of the field, they start the race basically a half a lap down because it's not a very big race track. When they all line up, it takes up half the track. So you definitely don't want to start in that position. So um, that's one of the things that makes Martinsville tough. It's a, it's a racer's track. It's a typical, you know, grassroots short track. And I think that's part of the reason why it's the perfect track for uh, the cutoff race. And that being said, you know, who are the manufacturers that would, that, that are, most likely to run up front here because it feels like it's a good track for Chevrolets to me. Yeah, the Chevys. I mean, William Byron won this race in the fall. The the Toyotas, although, you know, historically like Denny Hamlin has been, you know, really good at Martinsville. Um, the Toyotas have not run well on the short tracks this year. Um, this race a year ago was run by one by Alex Bowman. So you're right. It definitely, it feels like a Chevy kind of weekend, but when guys are desperate and they need a win, all bets are off. I mean, the Toyotas hadn't been particularly good on the road courses either. And three weeks ago at Charlotte at the Roval, well, uh, Christopher Bell came up and won because he had to do it. He had to win. So when guys are a little bit desperate, it, it adds a whole new dimension, but you know, on paper, it does feel like a Chevy week for sure. Well, and Like you said, you know, <laughs> on the bubble outside of the top four right now sit two Fords and two Toyotas, no Chevys in that. So uh, the, if they're going to get in, you feel like you got to win. If you're Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, or Denny Hamlin, you, it's, a, it's a win and get in kind of situation because you're not catching anybody in points unless something just drastic happens. 
I mean, I think Denny Hamlin can certainly catch people in points. Yeah, he's, he's only five, five points back. Yeah. So, uh, but the other three, you're right. I mean, they, they they basically need to win, or at least in Ryan Blaney's um, instance, you know, he needs to get as many stage points he has, and then maybe if William Byron were to have some bad luck or or um, something like that, then he might have a chance if he got a ton of stage points to sneak in. But uh, yeah, for the for the guys there, the three guys at the back, it's definitely uh, win to get in for sure, and that's what makes it interesting because none of those three guys are particularly great at Martinsville but like I said Christopher Bell wasn't particularly great at the Roval and he got it done so when your back's against the wall people can do great things I'm hoping for one of those performances because I think um, that kind of drama is good for the sport so I was reading an article earlier today um, and I you know obviously I don't read a whole lot of NASCAR stuff but Ryan McGee and Marty Smith had a um I guess they did a podcast or something, but there was an article on ESPN.com about the Bubba Larson situation and Larson winning at Miami. And now we go to Martinsville where a viable candidate for the win this weekend is probably Bubba Wallace. Yeah. If you ask Bubba coming into this season, what his best track was, he would have definitely told you Martinsville. I think he has two truck series wins there. His first ever truck series win was at Martinsville. And he, he performs very well there. I definitely think he, he's a dark horse as far as non-playoff drivers to get a win this weekend at Martinsville. And uh, wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean, just the way all that went down, if uh, if uh, Larson won and then Bubba won, that would be interesting. And boy, would that throw a wrench into the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that what I was going to ask you. For a non-playoff driver to get a win the week before the championship, just what kind of chaos – with that cause? Well, it happened last year because Alex Bowman was already eliminated from the playoffs when he won. And it did cause a little bit of chaos because he bumped a playoff driver, a championship four driver and Denny Hamlin out of the way. And then uh, Denny Hamlin ended up nosing up to Bowman during his, uh, during his burnout last year. Uh, Cause he was not pleased. Um, so yeah, it does cause a little bit of uh, uh, chaos, a little bit of uh, tension, uh, but, I mean, that's what makes the sport unique. Guys that aren't in the playoffs can definitely still win and definitely still play a role in what happens in the championship. Do you feel like that's, you know, I know it's unique to NASCAR. Do you feel like that's a, a good thing? I mean, it, it certainly seems like it can cause havoc if a guy who's not in the playoffs maybe accidentally gets into somebody who is in the playoffs and it's not their fault. I mean, it just feels like... Well, no. it's, that, that, that's what happened with Bubba and Christopher, right? right? I mean, Christopher was minding his business. It's the part of the sport, though, and then unfortunately it's kind of necessary because we can't be running these races with eight drivers right now. That would not be entertaining to anyone or four next week. So, you know, it just kind of is what it is. It makes you unique, and it's, you know, it's just as likely to happen during the regular season. The guys racing to try to get into the playoffs, and they get spun by somebody and taken out and have their chances of, of making the playoffs to begin with uh, erased. So, I mean, it's just a part of the sport I just think, as much as – go ahead. I think we run four cars at the Coliseum for the championship. <laughs> Even that I don't think would be that entertaining. Did you watch the Coliseum, all those cars? <laughs> that well, that's great. what I'm saying. If we only had four cars at the Coliseum, it would probably be – that would be the only way that four cars could be entertaining. 
that close yeah. together. It's on a yeah, half mile, along like a quarter mile track or Where something. Where you can see them all, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can line them all up at Bowman, Bowman Gray or something. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way it would be entertaining at all. But yeah, I yeah, get I it. Mean, it's it's just, it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just a part of, a part of the sport and for race sure. fans as, you know, balls and strikes being called by a by an official in baseball. I mean, they're not always fair. They're not always right, but those are the rules and we play by them. I like it. That's a, that's a good way to think to 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 think about it. So, all right. Well, um, one gotta ask. Well, I, I got I do have to ask one other thing before we get to our oh, prediction. Okay. Uh, it it does appear that um NASCAR is getting set to make some changes. We knew that they were coming to the car next year, but uh, Brad Morgan discussed uh, some of the testings and things that they're doing. And it seems like NASCAR is taking this incredibly seriously and the changes to the next-gen car for next year. Well, they have no choice. I mean, for me, the thing that's disappointing is that they didn't listen to the drivers before somebody got hurt and, and listen to them. They were saying that these these hits were harder and, and uh, causing more stress on their bodies and hits in other cars. But, I mean, at least it looks like the two drivers are going to make recoveries at some point. And so that's the good news that nobody is like permanently scarred as far as we know um, from this. And I'm glad that NASCAR did listen. I didn't want to see any more drivers get hurt too was plenty. Um, and so it's a good thing. I love the next gen car just from a conceptual standpoint. Um, I think it's really disappointing that COVID kind of, stunted the development of that car because um, all the time they were supposed to be working on testing and developing in that car. Um, we were all sitting in quarantine in their houses. So, um, you know, I, that hurt the development of the car. Uh, I'm glad that they're willing to evolve, even if they have to eventually end up with a completely different car than what they had envisioned with the next gen car. Driver safety is so important. We have to get that right. Absolutely. All right. So, now we have to ask. It's time to pick with Heather. Who you got? Uh, I don't know if I've picked him every round, every week this round, but I got Denny Hamlin because I feel like he's a championship four driver. Um, he doesn't have to win to get into the championship, but he definitely needs a good run. And this is probably either this or Richmond, he would tell you, is, are his best tracks. Um one of his home tracks because he is from the state of Virginia. Um, Toyotas have not been very good on the short tracks, but he usually finds a way to get it done at this track and get into the championship four. So um, playing the odds and the favorites here more than maybe, um, maybe what's actually going to happen. But I like Denny Hamlin. And then with, and we talked about it earlier with Bubba probably as a sleeper. There you go. There you go. I like it. I, I think I think Denny's a good pick. Uh, I mean, if there's anybody on the outside four that I feel like could win their way in, it's Denny Hamlin. Uh, so absolutely feel like that's a solid pick. Well, there you have it. Enjoy the media days. It's going to be fun, I'm sure. And Asheville is always fun. Never a oh, bad yeah, time gonna... in Asheville. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take in a few of the sites before I head back to the Tri-Cities. You, you absolutely should. Heather Williams, WCYB TV, talking NASCAR as she does each and every Wednesday. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. All right. Glad that we got our internet issue situated. Goodness gracious, that was frustrating. 
It's tough when so much of what we do is internet based. <laughs> it can it can be a struggle. Uh, I don't know that I liked it. I just felt like uh, the HVAC just kicked on again. <laughs> it's like, come yeah, on now. I, I kind of felt a little gust. Yeah, y'all can, y'all can well. keep that off. Uh, <laughs> I don't warm. need it now. Yeah, it is warm in here. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll take a break. When we come back, a lot of college football to get to. And probably over the next yeah, 30 minutes, we're going to talk <laughs> – a bunch of college football. And then, of course, Wes Rucker is going to join us to talk Tennessee. So college More football, college football. Yeah. pretty much the rest of the show. But there's there's a lot to get to, and we're going to do it. So stick around here on Main Street Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back after this. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national college and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Runner of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, Ari Dickey. Ari, did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> <laughs> other guy Wham married the best looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Welcome back in to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mo, we talked about it on the uh, in the in the opening there. Just an absolute mayhem situation in Knoxville after Tennessee defeated Alabama, and <laughs> when I was reading this story on ESPN.com about what it took to get. This, the field at Neyland Stadium, Shields Watkins Field, ready for another football game in less than a week. You read about shoes, and I saw one guy who was looking for his uh, orange and white checkerboard shoe on the internet. I don't think it, I'm, I'm sure that it's in a, in a trash can somewhere now. Um, other clothing items. And which prompted the question, what are y'all doing running around here naked? Any KKID naked. Any KKID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and of course, tons of cigar casings just littered. Sunglasses. Apparently. Sunglasses yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly how I came across this article. I don't know if it was tweeted out or what it was, but I, I saw the article um, a couple of days ago on ESPN.com, how the Tennessee grounds crew got Neyland Stadium's field, which jumped out at me immediately because it's not Neyland Stadium's field, it's Shields Watkins field, but ready after an historic upset of Alabama and got to reading it. And um, this, this guy, Dave Wilson with ESPN, 
got a hold of Darren Seabold, who is the director of sports surface management for the Vols. And it kind of it kind of grabbed me because when I covered UT back in the mid-90s for a couple of years, I, I got to know the guy who Seabold replaced, Bobby Campbell, who was in charge of all the fields and all the maintenance up at UT, who um passed away a few years ago. Really, really super dude, man. And um those guys typically go unnoticed unless something is really, really badly screwed up. So I thought it was really cool that they sought this guy out and kind of made a positive story. Yeah. And made him the subject of telling this story. Cause I mean, again, you see all the pictures from the aftermath of that game and Seabold estimates that there were about 50,000 folks on the field. That's about right. Um, Math, I math mean, would tell you that's about right. Okay. And there were, <laughs> I mean, there were a hundred thousand people in the stands and at least half of them were on the field. Let's say, I mean, just you go look at the pictures and you go, okay, I could see that. A court, Was it 30? Maybe, but 50 sounds better. Um, Some guy and I, um, Dr. John Sorochin, S-O-R-O-C-H-A-N. Distinguished professor of turf grass science in the Department of Plant Sciences at Tennessee. Turf grass grass sciences. Yes. Well, yeah. Nobody. I, I didn't know that guy at Career Day. Yeah, <laughs> right. Where was that guy? Well, um. Side note: Real good friend of mine, son went to Mississippi State to study turf management, and now he's working at one of the top golf courses over in North Carolina. Ah, I mean, that is a program in Mississippi state, but um, this Sorochin, I, if I'm pronouncing that right, is a go-to consultant for the NFL players association for inspecting field safety at neutral site games, like in London. Oh, wow. Okay. So this guy, so he knows. Yeah. So all these people over the years who have been griping and complaining about the playing service at Tennessee, how it injures players, this, that, and the other are sadly mistaken. Sadly. But this guy came up with the 50,000 number. He said it was shoulder to shoulder. The average person is about one and a half square feet. I don't know how many square feet the field is, but he said, so there were probably 50,000 people on the field. So that's what creates the mess. I mean, seriously, go go to ESPN.com and look at some of these pictures. They've got broken glass. They've got bottle caps. all sorts of stuff that they had to get up off of that. Field. And how they did it, how mm. they got it up with a shop vac. And I, that blew my mind. Like you're just out there. vacuuming <laughs> grass. I see what you did there. Okay. That wasn't where I, that wasn't supposed to, you know, the best ones, the best ones are, are unintended, mm. but you're vacuuming grass. Yep. Yep. First of all, that tells you how great that surface was that you can Vacuum, vacuum grass. grass. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's funny. Um, the um, Seabolt's counterpart at Oklahoma saw the the woman that cut out the chunk of oh, grass, yeah. and he said, "If that happens to me, I'll need bail money." Oh yeah, they, I, I, I apparently they they've they got have pictures of people. I mean, this is this is a chargeable offense. I would think one would think. I mean. You can't just rip up grass from a from a 
sports playing surface. I mean, can you imagine somebody jumping on Truist Field and cutting out part of the outfield? No, that would be insane. Now, maybe, you know, grab a handful of dirt or something. Yeah. Sure. That's grass. But grass, that's a big deal. And so how they fixed that, if you're wondering how they fixed the end zone, which was a little nuts, um, there's actually a company that sells basically, you know, grass. replacement sod that just rolls out. And this thing weighs like, what, a ton? Mm -hmm. A little more than a ton? Mm-hmm. And you just roll the sod out there; it it fits in perfectly, and that's impressive. But the, I mean, well done to the Tennessee grounds crew. I I just thought it was really cool that they were vacuuming grass, all the things that they found out there, sunglasses, and well, he talks about the importance of of getting the surface cleaned because I mean they were they were especially concerned with glass, so they came back and and sucked up the, all the glass whenever they whatever they would find, they would flag and come back to it and vacuum all around that area. Because clearly that's your nightmare right there as a kid playing and getting Gets cut. tackled. Yeah. And cut by glass. So, I mean, hopefully, Oof. hopefully folks will think about that the next time they storm the field, but as they pointed out, it shouldn't have to happen again at Neyland for a oh, pretty good man. while. I mean, who's left? They've at least beaten not this Florida, year. they've beaten Georgia, they've beaten Alabama. I mean, there's there's nobody else out there that at home would really be worthy of. No. So shouldn't be an issue. Um yeah, I mean, I guess if if uh, Texas AM was to you know actually live up to the hype. And they visited Neyland one day. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I don't think you're going to be rushing the field unless they're number one and you're not good. Uh, so, of course, right now, I don't think there's any way Texas A&M is going to be number one for a while. Not anytime soon. Uh, right now, they have a jumbo-jumbo problem. And <laughs> I don't know how you fix it. We talked about it yesterday, but I wanted to mention, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this because, well – we talked about it a long time ago when this happened. There we go. <laughs> Those aren't numbers that anybody in College Station wants to see. I mean, incredibly comparable. Um, Someone just, someone's agent wasn't as good as Jimbo's agent, clearly. I mean, Kevin, someone gets fired. They hired Jimbo Fisher, who understandably won a won a national championship. I get that I get the thought process. He he'd he'd won a national championship. He'd been under Saban. He'd, you know, all of these things. But I never thought Kevin Sumlin was bad. And clearly you look at these numbers and he really wasn't. I mean, we We've said it a hundred times in the I last three weeks. I really would have okay liked to. With, okay. I really would have liked to have seen Kevin Sumlin at UT back when they were. I, I think he was in one of the I think, many searches, maybe after Kiffin. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he was. I think he was. Instead of Kiffin? Was he um, in with Kiffin at that point? I, I, I don't remember. He was a Jeremy Pruitt after Dooley. Or, but, no, he had Bush already Jones, been at I mean. no, he had already been at A and M by then. He no, but 
after he got fired, there were folks clamoring for him. No, I'm talking about before he got fired at AM. I, I, coming out of Houston, I would have liked to have seen him there. But um nonetheless, mm-hmm. he he's an option. The fact that he doesn't have a job now is criminal. I know he's got a job. Well, it's with the Houston Gamblers of the USFL. Yeah, but you know what he did in Arizona the first year was really impressive. He didn't have a you know, but it's Arizona for one. Mm-hmm. That's there's that. You know, you're not talking about a big time college football program, but you can't defend this. It's not a great look. The only way that you can't not that you cannot fire Jimbo Fisher is because well you owe him too much money, period. And that's it. So they've got a problem. They're going to have to ride this out, or they're going to have to come up with a big chunk of money. And I don't know how you do either one. I don't. It's a lose lose situation for Texas A and M right now. Yeah, yeah, you either lose 86 mil or you lose everything. Credibility, um, upward mobility. Yeah, I mean, you lose a lot. And, I mean, the reason that you negotiate that type of a buyout in is so that if they want to get rid of you, they got to pay me, boy, as Flavor Flav would say. Yeah, or as Nolan so, Richardson I mean, said, "Give me my money. They can have my job tomorrow. <laughs> Just pay me." Or, or as Coach O said, "What door? What door? <laughs> what, what time?" That's it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's yeah, it's not a good situation for Texas A and M, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. I don't as know. You go. I don't know which situation is worse at this point. Is Texas A and M worse than Auburn? Auburn can at least fire their coach. Well, Texas A&M is worse than Auburn for the standpoint that, as friend of show, New Bias Wilburn has said on numerous occasions, Auburn's going Auburn. It's expected. Uh, you're right. This isn't expected at A&M. Yeah. You're, you're right. Now, <sighs> there may be a connection here. Kevin Sumlin to Auburn? It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? It'd be interesting. It'd never happen. I don't think uh I don't think Sumlin's trying to take that job. I don't think Auburn's trying to offer it. No, but they they I mean, if you look at these numbers, you go, okay, well, he's just as good as anybody else. I mean, I bet Kevin Sumlin's numbers on the left are comparable to Hugh Freeze's at Ole Miss. Hmm. Bet. Oh, I don't and, every, I, and everybody's clamoring for Hugh Freeze, right? I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying um, I, it'd be I, I, anyway. <laughs> Auburn's got to fire Brian Harson if the Sports Illustrated, uh, the recent Sports Illustrated article is accurate, claiming sources saying that Brian Harson is telling kids that if they want to redshirt, that they either have to go into the portal or quit the team. No red shirts. Is he is he stupid? <laughs> oh, what you or or ignorant? And there's a difference, but is he? <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how to ask the question. <laughs> 
Brian Harson is clearly an idiot. Is he trying to get fired? Maybe he's just trolling. At this point, yeah, he's like, my job's over, so I might as well not leave leave him anything to deal with. Oh, by the way, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss from 2012 to 2016, which he did not complete the 2016 season, um, and he did not coach an entire 2012 season. Was he was he interim for somebody when he took that over? Anyway, maybe he was the bowl game coach no it says he was oh and six no okay so there this isn't accurate never mind this i'm reading this off of wikipedia so that's my first mistake <laughs> yeah. well yeah he didn't have any forfeits involved at uh, Miss, did he yeah oh yeah Ole Miss had to vacate 33 wins from 2010 to 2016 because of some recruiting and academic violations oh. under both Freeze and Houston Nut. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So, at Ole Miss, According, on the field. On the field, I guess they were. 15, 24, 34, 39, 39 wins. <laughs> Looks awfully familiar. 18 and 12 is 30, 39 and 30. What are these numbers here? 39 and 16. 30. There's no way. <laughs> 11, 15, 18, 28. I said there would be 28. 39 and 28? 39 and 28. He lost 12 more games than Kevin Sumlin. Well, I don't know how. It sounds like maybe he was there for another season longer than someone was. But. He was but there regardless, for five years, same number of wins. I told you mm -hmm. that, Reek. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I just thought that was interesting. It's very, uh, very. Brian Harson's trying to get fired <laughs> because they're going to give him his money. Mm -hmm. But if they, it, I, I mean, I feel like you could probably. You, you could probably fight that buyout if he's intentionally sabotaging the program. <laughs> and you feel like telling kids they got to quit if they want a red shirt is pretty well sabotage. You're holding red shirting over somebody's head. Yeah. I, man, Auburn, and we said it. Auburn's going to Auburn at some point. When that is, is there's no telling, but the it, it's it's inevitable. It's inevitable. There's no way around it. That Auburn is going to do, and it's not just the boosters. I mean, it's everything. Mm -hmm. They don't have an AD right now, much less try to find a football coach. Who's going to fire him? <laughs> he doesn't even have a boss. Does does a yellow sticker mean anything to you? I mean, if it ain't got that yellow tag, yeah. I, it's this is all just wild to me. But it's completely on brand, a hundred percent on brand. You know, it's not on brand. Y'all, y'all going to have to give me some 
for this segue. Mm -hmm. You know what's not on brand is this orange. <laughs> Very nice. That is a darker orange than Tennessee orange. That is not Tennessee orange. Is it not? I don't think so. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that there's somebody in the Tennessee athletic department who has the responsibility of making sure that that is whatever Pantone or whatever that they use for everything else. That orange. Is too I, orange. I wonder if it just looks too orange because of the black. I mean, I, I just feel like I don't feel like attention to detail is an issue at the University of Tennessee. Now, I could be wrong. I, I want to show you, and I can't. Uh, I, I need to be able to share my screen <laughs> and. It's not exactly easy to do, but uh, <laughs> let me just show you this. And you tell me. Oh, I could tell. Yeah, that's a different orange. You, um, but I now mean, I know it's Adidas, and, and I know it's. But, <laughs> I know it's Adidas. I, I know it's, but. The orange, <laughs> these oranges now the, the hill and the, to me, it kind of little girl. I don't know. I think the and it may have time. Yeah. That's that's my question. Yeah, and and that's a good upon looking seeing uniform. that picture. That's a fair question. That is a good looking uniform. Some folks are going to lose their mind. People but that's are a good looking uniform. Nuts right now. But the fact that you can look at this and you, I mean, and you can read it. You can you can read the numbers. That's <laughs> yeah. always good. Yeah, that never hurts. This is a beautiful uniform, especially for Halloween. It's Halloween weekend. It's Kentucky and mm -hmm. Danny White said we only wear our traditional uniforms for our traditional rivals. <laughs> this man out here is throwing haymakers, which is a terrible idea, by the way, because I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Mitch Barnhart is on the college football playoff committee. <laughs> So oh, I'm just saying, maybe we don't make that guy angry right now. <laughs> He's already angry at his coaches anyway, so, I mean, why not? That's hilarious. He said that. He's, he's so, he, oh. he has said that, you know, we will only wear our traditional orange and white uniforms. Not that we Alabama all, and Georgia, huh? For our traditional rivals. I, I think Vanderbilt's in that. I don't think you're going to see them wearing black for, against Vanderbilt. But mm. this is also the sixth consecutive week that Tennessee has not worn a white jersey. Because the uh, one road game was at LSU. <laughs> oh, wow. So <laughs> they wore the Smokies down there. So they've not worn a white jersey in a minute. That's but funny. Anyway, my point is a lot of folks out there are upset about this, this and it's ridiculous. Well. Let, 
let the kids have fun. They they like this uniform. The kids they, really they enjoy been, those uniforms. They enjoy the Smokies as well. They have been and, and, all over social media touting this stuff. And they're the ones that have to wear it. They're the ones that have to wear it. And I, I like it. And it's it. not a pinstripe. You know, come on. Listen, <laughs> we don't have to be boring. And And obviously, there's two trains of thought. I mean, there's these guys here that never change anything. There's the Penn States, folks like that. Boring. Winning. As a program, <laughs> but not always. This is my point. Just because, I mean, just because they're How would now, you change the Alabama uniform if you could? I have I have thoughts. I have thoughts. I, I mean, I, I can show you better than I can tell me. Tell you, but... I have thoughts. One is I'd I'd bring the white helmet back for their road for, uniforms. Now Ray Perkins pretty well killed that because um, <laughs> yeah he got hammered in them so much. But uh, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, give me give me some some variety. It, you don't have to be Oregon, but you also don't have to be Alabama. Is my point. Mm-hmm. And I think what Tennessee is doing with the black, I think Ohio State does it well. I think they do. I just think enough. Ohio State kind of overdoes it a little bit. Do they? I, I don't know. <laughs> I I think they do it to a lesser degree than Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee does it well. They only bring it out, you know, occasionally that sort of thing. So that's that's me. Yeah. Um, we've got Wes Rucker coming up, and he has an opinion on the beer bucket. He does have an opinion on the beer bucket. I'd like to get his opinion on the unis, though. Um, well, I, I want to get his opinion on the uniforms, but I also want to get your opinion on the beer bucket, who Josh Heupel has said has no idea where it is. What it is or where it is? Where? <laughs> Apparently, it's a it has valid been question. misplaced. Hmm. That's not good. If it's just like sitting at the pilot headquarters. It's probably back in one of those catacombs at Neyland somewhere. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> literal catacombs. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Have you ever been up under those stones? Nope. Don't want to go either. Nope, nope. There's a body farm. I don't want to deal with. Uh, uh-uh. nope, nope, nope. No, thank you. I don't want to be anywhere near it. <laughs> you sound like that dude in that Geico commercial. Nope, nope. You want to talk about some nopes? We'll talk about some nopes later in Wild and Wacky. But this is a nope. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know where the beer where the beer bucket is. Josh Heupel doesn't know where the beer bucket is. Beer Maybe Wes Rucker knows where the beer barrel. Well, is. I can tell you if anybody knows where it is, it'd be Wes. So it might be at Wes's house. <laughs> let's take a quick break here. Yeah. When we come back, Wes Rucker will tell us all about his thoughts on black uniforms, beer barrels, and much more. Mm-hmm. Right after this, Mainstream. <laughs> So, I got a DUI. Mom, Dad. Why didn't you just call someone for a ride? I wasn't thinking ahead. I didn't think I was going to get caught. Yeah, my best friend, Tim. Still coming to my bachelor party next month? This DUI cost me 10 grand. So, no. Yeah, you, in the back. Did you know I almost died when you hit me? I didn't think this would affect so many people. You think it was worth it? No, no, No more questions. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Oh, yeah. Welcome back in. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Young, Mo Patton coming to you live on this Wednesday edition as it is Wild and Wacky Wednesday. We give you the weirdest and wildest news from across the world and Florida in just a minute. But right now, we go to 24-7 Sports' Wes Rucker, who joins us now. And Wes, I don't see a beer barrel behind you, but maybe you can help them find it. Yeah, you know, uh, in that picture y'all had there during the uh, the transition there, we had Heather in one corner, me in the other. I looked like someone who had either no. just gotten up or just like gotten out of Knox County Detention Center. Do you down know there in the corner? So do I may, you know I, who you look like. I'm going to tell uh, you, the aliens guy. Yeah, a little bit. A the little meme bit. where he's like aliens. Yeah, I look like a guy who might know where the beer barrel is. Actually, <laughs> there, there's a couple of leads on it. Um, one of which yeah, I believe really. a certain uh, longtime Tennessee athletics uh, trainer type person uh, might know where it is, hint, hint. Or uh, the other one is uh, that it is somewhere uh, like hidden in the complex. But I, I think I think I know where it is, but I'm not positive because it did emerge a couple of years ago. Uh, I believe former Tennessee assistant Brian Niedermeyer uh, had it brought out from seclusion to sit on his desk one day for a picture. But uh, it, it's there. And uh, it needs to come back officially. Uh, it, I think it's it's been enough time. Uh, they sell beer at most stadiums now in college. It's time to bring the thing back. It's long overdue. But from what I understand, Tennessee for a few years has sort of made some requests or inroads into trying to bring it back. And I think the resistance is coming from Kentucky's administration. But uh, that's either Tennessee, like, pinning the blame on Kentucky or the truth. I don't know which one it is, but – I do know Tennessee would be very interested in bringing it back. Wes, has anyone asked Roger Frazier where the beer barrel is? Uh, he would be one of the two people who I may or may not have alluded to earlier. Ah. Who, who, who may, I believe if you if you were to speak with either Roger Frazier or uh, Max Perot, I think you might <laughs> get an idea of where it is. I believe the, the triumvirate there with those two and with Hawk, I think if you talk to the three of them, you might, you might probably know where every single skeleton uh, with Tennessee football in history is buried. Probably. Oh skeletons. goodness gracious! You're so right. Absolutely. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of knowledge there. Yeah. Um, as long as we are getting Wes's opinion on things, the blackout unis, Wes. I know that there is a faction of the UT fan base that is not with it. Thoughts. I, I don't have any problem with them. I'll be honest with you. I, I think they're I think they're nice. I think you know, in a perfect world, if I'm being honest, I, I'm not really Tim Gunn over here. But I think that you know, maybe a matte black helmet would just complete mm. the look and make it look better than the than the shiny black helmet. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's a really nice look. And I, I've said for years the the kids are the ones who play. Well, I say kids. Tenant Hooker can almost get cheaper car insurance soon but most of them are kids right and the kids want to wear these uniforms they are excited by these uniforms the students are excited by them and last i checked this is the university of tennessee where the young men are the ones playing the football 
Uh, the students are the ones that are in the student section attending the university, going to games. They love this. And there's Tennessee orange in the uniform. My opinion is always and has always been, if there is Tennessee orange in the uniform, it is a Tennessee uniform. So whatever else you want to do, you want to put gray, black, I, I, you know, uh, the summit blue for the late balls uniforms and last week for some football stuff. It, to me, I mean, you go back in the, the 20s, the, 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 the 30s, the teens, Tennessee used to have gray, black, brown uniforms back then. So if you want to talk about history, they've always had a couple of different colors. So as long as there's orange in the uniform, I think it's fine. And I think these look great, to be honest with you. As for that orange, Chris has a question. I'm just yes. saying it doesn't really – there have been some variations of Tennessee orange over the years, and this one seems a little darker than than years yeah, past. Yeah, I, I get it. I see maybe a little Oregon State kind of look there. I, I, can, I can understand that. I will say, however, that when I saw uh, one of the helmets in person – from a slight distance, I thought it looked Tennessee orangish. So I, that could be a filter on the camera. I don't That's know. Not, exactly. I, think, I think we're seeing a filter here. Where yeah. Cause you look at the background there, that's pretty, but there's, you know, you can do a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm an idiot and I know how to do stuff in like photo studios and stuff. Sure. And I'm dumb. So these people are smart. They, these people probably know what they're doing. So I, I'm willing to wait and see what they look like uh, in person, but I saw one helmet from a slight distance, and to me, it looked like Tennessee orange. But, you know, I mean, that Tennessee orange is a very distinct orange. So ask Adidas, right? They, for years, couldn't get it right. So um, Nike's generally gotten it right. We'll see if they've got it right on these two. Adidas never got it. That's the reason that we're asking, because the, the orange has certainly <laughs> – well, add, to add that to a long list of things that Adidas, Adidas. has never got. You know, it's 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 a long it's a long complicated story, and I've had to write it many times. And I can tell you, the problem's always been Tennessee orange is a very sort of light orange color, and depending on what fabric you put it on, it looks mm -hmm. totally different. So mm -hmm. you have to almost put like a different kind of orange on different fabrics in order to get like a, a Tennessee mm -hmm. orange consistent look so it's not an easy thing to do however with the millions and millions and billions of dollars they have there at those companies i would imagine they could do it better but you know there are reasons understandable this weekend is a huge weekend for the university of tennessee um this this game to me is the most important game remaining on the schedule and i know that sounds crazy but I think if you win this game, Wes, you are 90% guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff so long as Mitch Barnhart doesn't you know, <laughs> torpedo that. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I think you're probably on to something there. I, I think it's hard to say, like, which game is, is the most important. but Because next week you're talking about a, what, potentially one versus three or one versus two kind of matchup, depending on what else happens this weekend. So it, 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 it's – it's certainly a big deal. Like they would call that what the game of the century of the week, you know, but, but, it's, <laughs> but, but this, this game right here, if you have to lose one, if you have to lose one, I would not lose this one because right. if you lose this one, you have to win out to get into the playoff. You got to go down to Athens and beat Georgia. And then you're probably going to have to go win in the sec 
tournament in SEC championship game too, whether that's Bama or LSU or, or Ole Miss or whoever that is. So, so that is, that's a more complicated path. Whereas if you have to lose one and it's next week and it's anything other than like 50 to 20, if it's a remotely close game, then you're Tennessee and you're saying the only loss you have is one on the road to the reigning champion in a fair, in a fairly close game. So if that's why I've said, and I probably got to call them, you know, teaser here coming out before the, before the, the game comes out that says any player you have, who's on the fence, any play that you have that you're like, man, this, we can, we can, re- <laughs> we've been setting this thing up all season. Don't do not put, do not leave any of it in the quiver. Take all of it out. Use all of it this week. Win this game. Make sure you get this game. And then it's kind of house money as long as you take care of everything else but Georgia. So um, there's some moving parts there. And the doomsday scenario is still in play, which would be kind of three one-loss SEC teams. And then what do you do? Um, Because I think we all know if it's like Tennessee, Georgia, and Bama, and they all have one loss, I think we know who's not going to get in. If I'm just being honest with you, I think we know how that would go probably. Um, but that's still in play. Do we, do we, do hey, let me, let me stop your roll just a second. Do we know, because if there's three, one loss teams, Tennessee beats Georgia. Well, and I'm, then I'm Alabama beats Tennessee. On, I'm not even talking about on field. I think Tennessee's fan base is comparable. If not would be more apt to be excited about a college football playoff and spend more money. And if you're talking about money wise, I think the Tennessee fan base would be the one you would want in the college football playoff. I I would think so too, but I think right now, um, as much as I've been sort of saying lately that, that college football is better when Tennessee is good. And I believe that to be true. You're not wrong right now, Georgia and Alabama are bigger brands across the country. You're talking about a lot of, NFL team fans in a lot of cities thinking, okay, you know, I bet half of Georgia and Bama's teams are getting drafted. Let's see which of those guys I want. So those are bigger brands right now. So that scenario would be Tennessee uh, loses at Georgia uh, and then Georgia loses to Bama in the SEC title game and Bama wins out. So at that point, Bama's definitely in. And then you're picking Georgia or you're picking Tennessee. And And, and I think right there, you're probably – I just think Tennessee would have a heck of an argument there, um, and it wouldn't shock me, but I don't think they're going to put three SEC teams in there. And if that ended up being the case, I would think Tennessee would be the one maybe left out. But if if Tennessee lost at Georgia and then Georgia won out, beat Bama in the title game or beat whoever in the title game, then I think you've got a pretty good argument that Tennessee's getting in over in Oregon or somebody from out west or, or, or something like that. So – and maybe even getting in over an undefeated team for another conference. We'll, we'll see. The committee does kind of what it wants to do. But, I, you know, it, it's – to me, it's fun to be having these conversations. It's fun to be in this conversation because this is exponentially faster than I thought Tennessee could possibly get here. Oh, be um, in this and, conversation, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's like the dog The dog catch, chases the car, right? What, what does the dog do when it catches the car? Well, Tennessee's about to catch the car. So now it's like – what do you do now you're talking about a different kind of pressure because next week at Athens, no matter what happens this week, you're playing with house money down there. Um, but this Kentucky game, you know, the, the, the trip to South Carolina later in the season, there's a couple of games where there's a lot of pressure and a lot of lemon booty potential 
on Tennessee because you, you don't know can those guys handle that. And it's a different kind of pressure, right? You play Alabama, you haven't beaten in 15 years, there's pressure. It's nothing like the pressure in terms of you're expected to win, you're expected to, you know, you have so much to lose. That's a different situation. And could Tennessee handle that late in the season? That's something I'd be interested to see. Wes Rucker of 24-7 Sports joining us here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Wes, I want to go back to that 3-1 loss scenario for just a second because I want to turn it. If it's Tennessee beating Georgia and then losing in the SEC championship game to Alabama to get all three of them to one loss, then what? At that point, uh, you would have had Tennessee beating both in the regular season. I think at that point, maybe Tennessee would have been the only one to have beaten both of those teams. So I think in that scenario, Tennessee gets in probably because Behind that Alabama point, as the SEC champion. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think and Georgia's that, out. Yeah. Because Tennessee would have gone to Athens and beaten Georgia in its backyard. So yeah, that would have been, that would be in my opinion, probably the, the tiebreaker there because you know, you will, you will have been Tennessee would have been the only one of those three teams to beat the other two, I think in that scenario. Plus, one of them would have been on the road. So that, to me, would probably outweigh it. But um, I've always said, and I believe it, if there's any doubt whatsoever and those three teams have one loss, Tennessee could probably be the one out. I just mm-hmm. I, I just have a feeling that is what would happen. Um, we, we will see. I don't know. Um, but, again, it's fun to be having these conversations. No right? matter because what. Tennessee takes care of business. It's in the conversation. And if the worst-case scenario, you're talking what? Uh, you know, sugar bowl, sugar something bowl. like that. I mean, that was that's exactly where I was going to go. Is no matter what you win this weekend, you feel like a New Year's Six bowl is the floor. Mm-hmm. It's the base because yes. Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt aren't beaten. No, probably not. I mean, South Carolina there, and I, I, I'm I'm not really on the whole like Shane Beamer train. I'm not I'm not opposed. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just, as he wears his garnet in black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah. No, funny. funny that, right? Hey, there's more. It's like an AM thing. That's my, my, my father in law school. No, I, I think that, um, I, I think probably they've only beaten two teams with a winning record in the past two years. That That's all they've beaten with a winning record. And one of them was a Kentucky team playing without Will Levis. So I, I, I don't know that. Like, you got to go beat somebody. Now, if they beat Tennessee, okay, you got my attention. Um, do, do something like that, you got my attention. Um, but they sort of took advantage of some teams that didn't have a lot to play for late last season. Uh, they, 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 you know, A&M certainly is a cluster right now. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to have to go out there and beat a team, you know, that, that is fully formed and a pretty good team before I'm like, okay, yeah, you're, you're good. Now, they're better than they have been. There's no question about that. And it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what South Carolina players and fans think, and they're all bought in, so good for them. But it, it, it's just um, – I, I don't think Tennessee would go down there and lose at night, but it's just tough enough of a place to play that it's possible. Um, but at the end of the day, Tennessee's offense is it, – it's kind of like the uh, – back in the old days, military, they had the Maxim gun, and the saying was like, at the end of the day, we have the Maxim gun, and they don't. And Tennessee just plays so fast offensively, puts so many points on the board so consistently that it becomes a game of numbers. Like, unless you force them to turn the ball over, they're not really going to stop themselves a lot of times. You're going to have to score 40-plus points to beat them. 
And it becomes a matter of can those teams go out there and score 40 plus points. And with Kentucky this week, don't know if they can do that. South Carolina, even in, even in Columbia, don't know if they can do that because you're going to have to score 40 points to beat them. Wes, you made mention of this in, in tongue in cheek a little bit ago, but I want to ask you, what is the issue as it relates to Hendon Hooker and his AARP application? Yeah, it's it probably it, it, it's it's got to be close. I mean, you know, every time I look in the mirror, I, I and especially I hate all these HD cameras. Like I see all these grays. I think like thirteen or fourteen of them pop up every day. But you know, there is something to be said for a, a young man who, like Hendon Hooker, who probably to people around him when he was in high school, he was this same way. He's just kind of an old soul, right? His dad was a tremendous quarterback in North Carolina A and T. Uh, his mom is, is is an educator and is a really disciplined woman. They're just a really disciplined, kind of grounded in their faith, everyday people. Like, and, and they go about their business. They don't get up and down too much. They stay on brand. They're, they're just kind of a family that's really focused, and he's a focused young man. And so I think when you go into these situations where, you know, a team could start to get nervous, a team could start to sweat, I don't think Hooker's going to do that. Uh, now, that doesn't mean the people around him won't do it, but I think he has kind of a calming effect on the people around him. You know, it, it's just and, – and, and in a weird way, Joe Milton's kind of the same way. It, 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 both of those guys are just kind of guys that you want to be around. Like, if you're the football coach, you want the players on your team gravitating toward the older players who are kind of the mature guys, the guys who make the right decisions, the guys who show up and put in the work every day, the guys who don't – you know, basically aren't children out there. And I think both of those guys and Jerome Carvin falls under that line too. They, these are that that's the kind of guys that they've got there. And oddly enough, I would have said the same so, about Jalen McCullough, and I still might, um, depending on how that thing works out. But he's just got that kind of he's Hooker's got he's that guy, man. He's that mm-hmm. guy. He's the guy you want your your kids around. He's the guy you want your players around. And when your best player is your hardest worker, you know, mm-hmm. with him and Tillman and guys like that, it helps you. So then why? Do you not want that guy in your NFL locker room before you want any of these other children? You beat me. You you, you got me on that one. I don't know. I, I mean, I've it been doesn't make this, any sense to us. I've, I've been saying that toward the end of last year when it started to look like, okay, do you see some of the throws this guy's making? Like, you know, and, and the knock is there's a couple of knocks there. One is that Heupel's offense, as dynamic as it is is not a ready-made plug-and-play to the NFL kind of offense. They, they go tempo. They don't make as many reads. Uh, it's just a very specific thing that they do, and they do it well, and it's hard to stop, especially at the college level. But that's the one knock, although I would say there's some former Heupel quarterbacks and receivers who have done well in the NFL, and that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't matter. Uh, and the other thing is his age. But he's only about a year older than Will Levis, and everybody's talking about Will Levis like he's the next Josh Allen or something. So, I, I mean, I, I don't – you know, I mean, Hooker's twenty four, Levis is twenty three. What? Tell me, tell me the difference there. It's one year, and, and so last I checked, too, isn't Tom Brady like fifty four years old out there playing quarterback? I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> you know what's Rod, Rogers is thirty eight, thirty nine. I, I mean, and they're finally starting to show it a little bit. But the bottom line is, they you know even if Hooker can only play till he's thirty five, thirty six years old, that's a that that's a decade. That's still ten man. years. That, that's, <laughs> that's a decade. Ten, and and I when mean, I see Hooker. Other than yeah, Brady, who's longer than that? I, so, I mean, not a lot of guys. Not a lot of guys. I mean, Tyler Tyler Bray kicked around the NFL for years as a backup, and he's made a lot of money. Never thought a pass, I think, in a real game. 
and and it, it, it's he's been around the game that long. <laughs> so right. I think when you look at Hooker, mm-hmm. at the very at the floor at the floor, he is an absolutely fantastic backup. A guy you want in your organization, a guy you who you want in your community, a guy who you want to represent your organization, and that's the floor. The you know the 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 ceiling could be a lot higher than that. I mean, go around Hooker. He's a smart kid, man. He knows what he's doing. He day trades during the day. I mean, this kid is smarter than I am. He is. That's I'm not saying a lot, but I, I mean, it, it's you know <laughs> he's insane. a sharp kid, and 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 so I think that that he. You know, he, he almost never sleeps because he's always got ideas. Like, he, he wakes up in the middle of the night, writes stuff down. Like, you know, he's up every day at, like, 5, 5.30 out there going in to work out. I mean, he's, he's kind of a freak like that. And that's, you know, you talk about a football guy. There's your football guy right there. So, and then you look at the throws Smart he's making. QB. Like, some of the shots he's taken in the past week are just unbelievable, man. Sticking it into windows, on a rope, on a line. And he doesn't have Milton's cannon, but. Who does? He throws such a, I mean, he throws he such a <laughs> right. Thank God he doesn't. He throws such a pretty ball. Goodness gracious! Yeah, he does. It's, he does. It's amazing. He does, and and, and he yes. also does smart things like when his guys get so far behind a, 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 the defense for the most part, he puts it a little bit behind them. He makes sure he makes the smart decisions. I mean, you you don't throw what is it like fifty plus touchdowns and three picks by being dumb and making bad decisions. He's making the right decisions. Wes, we have one more question before we let you go. Uh, is Cedric Tillman going to play? I think maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll be honest. You know, they, they guard their injury stuff over there like Fort Knox. I mean, right. it, it's it, – it's and again, there, there's no rule saying that you have to, you know, like the NFL where you have to, to disclose things and, and a lot of them don't do it. They, they, it's competitive advantage, disadvantage for them, and they don't do it. I will say – I thought there was a chance, a small chance he could play against Alabama until later in the week. I was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely not going to play. I just, I've heard he's been doing a lot better at practice recently. And my opinion, if he's ready to go and it's close, I think you probably play him some in this game because I don't hold anything back. Now, if he can't go out there and compete at a high level, then you don't do it. But because Tennessee's receivers, like if you watch those guys during a game, it's insane how much they run. I mean, then they have to get back to the line. You know, if they run a certain depth, they got to tap out to get out so the next guy can come in and they can run the same play without, you know, taking those couple extra seconds for them to get back to the line. I mean, they, they you got to be in shape. You get rewarded to, to play in this offense at receiver, but you got you to gotta earn it. You got to be in shape. And so if he's in shape and he's ready to go do that, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd roll with him. Uh, but if not, nothing wrong with Ramel Keaton. He's having a really nice season. So um, I would probably think that he's got a chance to play, but I don't think Heupel's going to tell us that. I mean, he jokes. Look at every Heupel press conference. He knows that I know his answers for injury questions. We asked him just for fun, but we know exactly what he's going to say because it's the same thing every Monday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. It's the same boilerplate answer. Um, and we just kind of play this charade where we ask, and then he says the same thing. But um, – I think he'll probably play, but I wouldn't. I mean, I, I wouldn't put a, a dollar on it. There you go, West Rucker twenty four seven Sports at West Rucker twenty four seven here on Main Street Sports. Hey, West, thanks for taking time with us today. It's always a pleasure. Anytime, guys. You know that. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we have time for maybe one or two wild and wacky stories. But trust me, you're going to want to stick around for them. They're ridiculous. So 
We'll be back right here on Main Street Sports Today. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ed Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990. Or visit customstonehandlers.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931 388 8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931 388 5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931 388 5731 and schedule your tour today. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Colts head coach Frank Reich, quote, We are not waving the white flag that's not in our DNA. It's not in my DNA. I would never do that in a million years, end quote. Caroline Fenton, local radio personality. Okay, then what does benching your starting quarterback for a six-round pick with the three total snaps in the NFL mean? (laughs) I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Sure seems like a white flag to me, buddy. I mean. If it's it's not, I don't know what is. I'd, I'd like to know what is. Yeah. <laughs> not playing a quarterback, just sending nobody out there. Yeah. What is a white flag? If this ain't a white if flag. If this ain't it, I don't know what is, man. Oh, uh, it's wild and wacky Wednesday here. We got time for a one or two story, so let's get right into it. Springfield, Massachusetts. A Massachusetts woman who released a swarm of bees of on sheriff deputies as they tried to serve an eviction notice is <laughs> facing multiple assault and battery charges. <laughs> what a picture. <laughs> Mm. You you gonna get me? You gonna come to these bees? <laughs> bees, bees. Save okay. yourself. The neighbors are outside. What's did, all the buzz? Have you seen um Tommy Boy? Yes. So okay. uh, I was going through my Facebook memories the other day, and a uh, a memory popped up that my wife has never seen my girl and didn't understand 
the correlation between when I said something about Macaulay Culkin and bees. And so this, that's what made, this made me think of. I was like, but no, that's a good one too. Is <laughs> Oh, apparently she and other protesters maintained they were trying to prevent a wrongful eviction. The homeowners out in King brought evidence of a bankruptcy stay to court the next day, at which point everything should have stopped said Grace Ross of uh, the Massachusetts Alliance against predatory lending. Woods's lawyer did not immediately respond to the voicemail at the Associated Press left, but um, apparently Ms. Ms. Woods here showed up in an SUV towing a trailer carrying <clears throat> beehives and started shaking them, breaking the cover off one and causing hundreds of bees to swarm out and initially sting one deputy, according to the report. Woods, who put on a beekeeper suit to protect herself, was eventually handcuffed, but not before several more sheriff's department employees were stung, including three who are allergic to bees. <laughs> so the mission was successful for her, kind of. Uh, I think they still got evicted, whoever it was. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's, that's <sighs> wild and wacky. That is, that, that's, a, that's a story right there. Mm. This next young man that we see here, on on your screen on the next slide well you ever find yourself with a coworker that's just difficult to deal with if not try working at dollar general like jerome ellis here i've worked at dollar general i can understand his plight okay go ahead explain because <laughs> um well i mean you you have people that are different you, you oh yeah i just wouldn't necessarily expect them to be a dg but yeah I've, I've definitely worked with everyone has yeah but if not you should definitely work at dollar general apparently um because jerome ellis here was arrested on charges of poisoning food and water poor bleach into his co-workers can of that's another level of upset <laughs> he told the man told deputies he placed a pepsi he was drinking on a counter before going to the restroom when he came back and took a drink from it it tasted like bleach or cleaning supplies went a little over the top with the bleach huh okay he said there was no argument between him and the victim that uh he just you know spilled some in the general area <laughs> he had spilled it right to his drink um, after he was confronted with video evidence against him, he told, <laughs> he told deputies that he put some cleaning solution around the brim of the drink to get back at his victim for being difficult to work with. Just the brim, it's just the brim, guys. Chill out. <laughs> Lord, I would it need a all that. drum of bleach if uh, I was going to do that to every difficult co worker. Oh, there's no question. No question. Oh, all right. That's going to do it mm. for this edition of Main Street Sports. Day. Where, wait a minute. Where was there. Jerome from? Uh, Florida. Okay. De right. de yeah. Cool. Dellen, Florida. All right. Surprise. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure because I knew your first one was from Massachusetts. Yeah, and so I was like, was not Florida, man. No, but that one was. Yeah. Oh, thanks to Wes Rucker and Heather Williams. If you missed any part of the show, go back and watch it. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Roku, all on demand, wherever you get your uh, on demand. Mainstream media.
media shows on your Apple product, stick, any of those. Oh, just just take us out. Okay. All right. Yeah, we're we're good. We're done. <laughs>